What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, your favorite youth ministry podcast where everything is made up and the points don't matter. That's right. The points are just like cleaning your church office. It doesn't matter. It's going to be filthy and full of a ton of papers and books again in about 48 hours. Or tents. That was that was uh, my story. We have a 20 by 40 like pole tent. Like, like the Yep. Yep. And uh, naturally, it had nowhere else to go until we returned it to its permanent home. And so I had a lot of tent pieces in my office with grass and dirt and uh, we have a box of candy in there that's old. It, it's it's really a mess. And the funny thing is, my wife came in like a year ago and like really redid our office, like painted it yeah. and like looked it, really pretty. It looked incredible. And now it is just a revolving door of junk in there all of the time. Yeah, that sounds about right. I've got uh, I always have to clean my desk off when we do the podcast, but then I have other like I just put it on the you know, countertop behind me, then that becomes the catch all for yeah. everything. Um, so yeah, I've got some cleaning that I definitely need to do and probably won't. Good for you. But it is, as much as like my office can sometimes get that way. I, I think every youth pastor ever would agree that like, if your church has a storage area, yeah. good luck. Yeah. Like that's that's the end of the world literally. Like there's church storages are overflowing. Yep. Unorganized. Yep. Full of a ton of stuff you don't need or Crap. use ever. Yeah. Uh and they will never be touched. Yeah. They'll never get better. That sounds <laughs> spot on. We have a shed in the back of our property that is um and Thankfully, we had a, a guy from our church who came in and built shelves, so it's actually legitimately mm. organized now, and it's super, super nice. Yeah, that is nice. So, yeah, I'm feeling good about that. Kyle, I got a question for you today. I um, love questions. Bring it on. So, what we context here? You and I went to the same college. We did. We we were quasi acquaintances in college. Sure. <laughs> you were friends with my wife at the time. Yep, uh, she lived on the floor right above us, and so we would. Uh, they would they would stomp on the floor and we would get upset and they were Naturally. throwing. They her and her roommates had dance parties at two a.m. and we're like, "You got to be kidding me! I want to go to bed." That that sounds like the exact opposite of my wife, but I can see that happening <laughs> at the same time. Like the, the, maybe the, it was other people the on the thought, floor. The thought of Meg dancing with other people and at two a.m. is like I actually crazy. think that like your wife's room on the floor was like typically way on the other end of the hallway yeah. from where mine typically was. Sure. And so like I was never, I would have never been anywhere near her or her friends. Uh, Cause yeah. like my roommate and I were one of the first rooms when you walked onto the floor and it was an L shape. And, and I think she was typically like way down on the other end, on the other end of the L. Uh, but no, we had, I mean, this is not the quick question, but, uh, like our floor and her floor, like just as, as a big group, there was some pretty good friendships yeah, that formed that are still, still around. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, we did that. But my question for you is what is one of the craziest things you remember from Bible college? Um, I had an initial thought and then you ended your question by calling it Bible college. And now I feel like I have to have a more serious no, answer. I don't want you to. I, mine is not serious at all. So and it revolves around you. We, 
<laughs> Terrifying. Uh, so this is one of the things that uh, we would... So our floor had a tradition every year and we would schedule it with the other floors in our building so that they knew it was going on. They weren't invited, but they would know that it was going on because it took place at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, like once a year, typically about you know February or March. Uh, and what would happen... So I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about this publicly. Uh, it's one of those things, but it's not like bad or anything. Like, I feel like you hear something like that and you automatically think like universe, university of Northwestern is going through some really bad hazing stuff right now. Like it's not anything like that. Uh, what we would do is, uh, so we called it the gauntlet Mm -hmm. and we had like the hallway of our dorm. Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody would line the hallway on both sides of it. Uh, and you had an individual that would start and, and pretty much everybody took a turn going. So, so like you'd start at one end of the hallway and I typically, we would like uh, at the other end of the hallway, we would put a football or, or something like that. And, and we would like tape some female celebrities face to it. And so the idea was <laughs> like you have to run the gauntlet to rescue Scarlett Johansson <laughs> and then run back and and make it back to the other side and, and it was you know I mean everybody's goal is like we're not like literally punching you in the face but you know we've got like mattresses or pillows, pillows noodles or uh you know like there was definitely some like slapping and, and pushing and and uh you know different things uh but you know at at the end of it it was all, like the goal of it at the end of the day was always like camaraderie. Like we do want you to make it through the gauntlet yep. and uh, we'll beat you up a little bit on the way. But uh, you know, it was like a bonding thing that we all did and, and celebrated each other. And, and so it, it got a little crazy and it definitely got loud. Yep. Uh, but my favorite part about it is that uh, the security team at North central uh, it, you know, I don't know how many students were, were hired as, as security, but let's say there were 20 of them. Yep. 10 to 12 were from our floor. Ah. And so we would like do stuff like this and people would be like, Oh, they're too loud. And they'd call security to come do a noise complaint. And like, <laughs> it'd, be guys, participating. it'd be guys on our floor that would just come and be like, I'm in, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, that was always, uh, that was always that. That was one of the crazier things that we did. Word must have got out because we did the same thing in Carlson. You Love know, it. Kyle. Kyle was in a different dorm than I was. There's there's three main ones at at, at where we went to college, and um, you know, we we kind of adopted the same thing, and it was it was a blast. So it was it was an absolute blast. I think I've talked about it a little bit. The other this was less crazy, but more complicated was that our entire floor one semester played Survivor. Uh, and, and we had like my, my roommate at the time, uh, was the one that, you know, played Jeff Probst and, and organized the whole thing. He had challenges every week and, oh man, it was a blast. I miss college. I think I, I think I ended up seventh. I got blindsided, blindsided, voted out. Wow. Uh, there's like probably like 20 to 25 of us that played and, uh, I'm still bitter about it. I understand. Yeah. What, uh, what crazy stuff do you remember from college? Okay. So. I was uh, coordinating intramural basketball yeah, you were. for one season, 
And so what that entailed is I had to- Did you get paid for that? Yeah. Nice. I got a stipend. It was nice. like a thousand bucks, I wow. think. It was decent. I missed out. I know. So, but you, as, as such, you have to, you have to know like the rules, not just of like the game of basketball, but like you need to know like what North Central stance is on a bunch of stuff. Like you have and, to wear a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. All those kinds of things. And so I, and as the coordinator, you have to ref every single game that you're not playing in. So, um, it was towards the middle of the season. And there was this team that only had four people on it. And I say, let them play. And by rule though, you can't like well, by stupid rule, by rule, the coordinators are like, no, it needs to be a full team or they can't play. So I informed the team of that. They said, and this was like five minutes for a tip off. They're like, okay, like, well, I think we have somebody. So this guy runs into the gym. Yeah, he does. He runs into the gym and he is wearing jeans. Yep. A t shirt. Yep. And tennis shoes that were definitely like not, not, not basketball. They shoes. were definitely seasoned. We'll call them that. They were tennis <laughs> shoes that were had, had a lot of miles on them, had been beat up. And he's like, All right, I'm here. We got we got our team. And I informed this individual, you cannot play. Like, and this individual is like, What do you mean? And I said, by rule, you need appropriate attire, which includes shorts. Uh, did the rule book actually say that that includes yes. shorts? Yes. I should have just cut the jeans there, off. There was a, there was a distinction epic. of like, they literally said in the sub part of that law, like no jeans are allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and so here, I don't think I knew that. Here, here, this guy comes in and wants to play. And I'm, why? And, and why is that a rule? I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> this guy played an entire game by about halfway through the second half. His face was about as red as a tomato. Like he was extremely warm, extremely gassed. And uh, but the reason I let him play was because he really. <laughs> one, I had to just appreciate the effort. Like, okay, you and you came here in your jeans, you want to play. And he was a good salesman. And for those who maybe have listened before or know this story, that individual was Kyle. Uh, he was the one who came in. I think it was after youth group. It was. Yeah. Cause you the came from youth group. Nights. Yeah. Yep. You came from youth group um, and played an entire <laughs> intramural basketball <laughs> game in your jeans. And I can't remember if you guys won, but you definitely, regardless, it was close. You, you might've won. But so I do remember the game. Okay. Um, we did win for the record. Uh, of course you remember the game. I played great. Yeah, you did. I played awesome. And so, uh, I, I, the other thing that I will say is that like, I don't know if it's like genetics or what, but like, I, I would not say that my face was super red because I was wearing jeans. Like when I, like if I play basketball or something, like if I'm, you know, like a lot of cardio, like my face just gets red. Like yeah. that's just what happens. Um, and, and, and it gets sweaty and everything. Like, I don't think that that was necessarily related. Not that you knew that, but, uh, that would not have been related necessarily to the jeans. Uh, but no, I J E A N S, not G E N E S. Sure, yes, that is a good point. Um, 
but no, we uh, we did win that game, uh, and I actually think that our team went on to win the championship that year. Uh, it, we won. It may not have been that year. Our our team, our floor won the uh, intramural basketball championship one of the years that I, I was, was there, but I, I don't year. remember which one it was. It was my sophomore year because we were in the championship my junior year. And it which, wasn't against us. No. So yeah, it must have been the sophomore year then. Uh, that that was that was awesome. Uh, that was that was times. that was one that was one of the moments where I was like just starting to know Kyle because yep. I I think that was I think that was the senior year. I think would that have been because I think our yeah, senior year. I think so. No, because I like I it would have been like I was I was only the director though my senior year. So I think it had to have been, and you probably would have came right from. No, because I was not, I wouldn't have been living on campus that year. Exactly. I think you just came back just to hang out with people. I can't remember. That's possible. Either which way, like it was, uh, that was when I was just starting to kind of get to know you because we had a few classes together and and Meg knew you. And so I was kind of like, and that was part of the reason I'm like, I kind of know him. Deeper into like the, you know, pastoral degrees and you start to have all the same classes with each other. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so that was that was that was I think when that was when our friendship really kind of took off. Seeing seeing you put your you know put your life I, on the line. If I put my life on the line, you know, if I was going to uh go back and uh you know, if I had the choice to pick a better first impression, I don't think I would. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. I I think that that accurately sums up uh my personality. Uh, I just, a couple weeks ago after youth, uh, this is one of the, we're 13 minutes into this episode. Uh, I love it. Uh, so every, at most Wednesday nights, we have a group of our students that will play like a five on five half court game Mm -hmm. against a group of our leaders who are like all young adults. Oh yeah. Uh, and sometimes you have to have like a student pop over to the young adult side in order to make it five on five or, or whatever they do. Um, of the four or five young adults, I think there's typically four young adults that, uh, that play in these games. Uh, one of them played college football. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was an offensive lineman, uh, never played basketball in his life. Uh, the second one, uh, played basketball, I think like his freshman year and that was it. Uh, and then the other two, one of them played basketball all the way through. They may have both, uh, played all the way through, but, uh, I think I bet if they've played 20 times, I bet the high schoolers have won, I bet 15 or 16 of them. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's a pretty lopsided affair, but the other, the other week, uh, one of them was, uh, it was like the week of his wedding. So he wasn't, you know, at youth that week. And so I stepped in and, and played with the old guys and, uh, I, Walked away battered and bruised, and I didn't care because with the victory. Ah, uh, no, we lost. Okay, <laughs> uh, but it was I. I you were hyping my... that up for like the David and Goliath story. <laughs> like I stepped in and we pulled out a buzzer beater victory. I put in twenty points, and uh, no, they. Uh, it was it was right. It was close-ish. I bet it was like twenty-one to fourteen or something like that. Um, but I blame my teammates. Um, I'll throw. Fair I enough. have no problem throwing them under the. Now I wouldn't say that I was a star either. I think we all were equally terrible. But uh, yeah, we need to. I think we 
need to recognize that we are the old guys and we need to start playing like the old guys. Yeah. Like old men don't play isolation basketball. No. You know, they play good defense. They pass the ball a ton and they always end up with layups and open shots. Yep. And so we've got to transition our play style to, uh, to accommodate our skill level. Sounds like they need a new coach. <laughs> that might be it. Yeah. I've well, tried coaching them. There's, it's just a lost cause. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor yep, podcast. I think that does it yeah. for today's episode? <laughs> oh dear. We what's what's our timestamp? Sixteen twenty. That might be fantastic. That might be our greatest. A record. Yep. As far as how long it took us to get into the actual content. You know, usually, usually you can just spam your little thirty second button on your podcast app. You yep. Ten minutes and you're pretty good, but not not today. So we'll make up for it. Here's what we're going to do today, Kyle. Um, I just have some rapid fire things that really kind of have no crazy rhythm or, or flow. Uh, but I, I was kind of laying the foundation for this episode with you before we even started this. But um, for those who've been following along, you kind of know my my path here. I was a youth pastor for five years at the church I'm currently employed at. Uh, but about a year and a half, well, February will be two years of me informally taking over and, you know, all of the same church. And the reason I say that is because, <clears throat> excuse me, I kind of understand what it's like to be on both sides of the desk. I understand what it's like to be a youth pastor who's serving underneath a lead pastor and his vision and his mission and everything else. And now I know what it's like to be the lead guy and pouring into a youth pastor. And uh, both of those, because of the time frame, both of those are kind of just fresh and relative on my mind. And so, um, I kind of wanted to speak to youth pastors as a former youth pastor and current lead pastor as to what are the things that your lead pastor needs from you? What are the things that will make them feel appreciated, loved, supported? What are the things that your pastor and your church needs as the youth pastor? And so, uh, we're kind of just going to rapid fire through this. Kyle, feel free to just jump in if you have other ones as well. Uh, but <clears throat> we kind of alluded to this uh, on our last episode uh, with marriage, which shameless plug, go back and listen to that one if you haven't yet, even if you're not married, because I think there's a lot of good insight there as well. But I think the biggest thing that a lead pastor needs from his youth pastor is communication. I think as a general rule of thumb, youth pastors tend to be a little bit more spontaneous uh, they, they tend to be a little bit more like, hey, we're going to go on with this. And that's great. Uh, and that, that's awesome. But I think even more than just kind of just the day-to-day communication, I think it's so vital for youth pastors to communicate what you're planning to do as a whole for your youth ministry and how it fits into the overall church vision. Because I think a lot of times it's tempting as youth pastors or you, you kind of get sucked into this I'm a silo. That's a, that, that's a, a phrase that Kyle and I have talked about in the past of sometimes youth ministries are siloed within the, the overall church. Uh, they have their own vision. They have their own mission. Uh, it fits into the whole context, yes, but it kind of feels like sometimes youth ministries are just their own little entity within the church. And that's awesome. But you also need to be just communicating with your lead pastor about some of the wins that you're seeing in the youth ministry, some of the things that are happening, some of the struggles, just because even though you are your own entity, you are fitting into the overall function of the church. And you have, it's as a lead pastor, I like knowing 
what God's doing in our youth ministry. I just do. Like I, I have a heart for youth. I have a heart for the youth of our community. I want to know what it is that God's doing. And I'm not saying, you know, in our context, Riley, he's been on this show before. I'm not, I'm not asking Riley, Hey, like, tell me what you're planning to do every single week. No, but like, we just went out to lunch here a couple of days ago and I just asked him how things are going. Like what's, what is happening? What are some of the wins? Like, where are you headed towards? Just so I can one, know how to pour into him, but two, I can celebrate with him when God's doing some really cool things. And so just communicate with your lead pastor. And again, I'm not saying every single week, tell him what you're planning to do exactly, but just open up that line of communication and let him know what it is that you're doing and what you're excited about. Yeah. If your lead pastor is asking you to, you know, communicate like, Hey, I want your sermon notes every single week, two days before you preach and, and you need to run every detail of every event by me. Like that's unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's a level of that communication that isn't good. But, you know, especially from the youth pastor to the senior pastor, uh, you know, keeping it informed on big decisions, um, I think that there's a level of, um, you know, incidents like, hey, if, if something bigger happens that they should know about, uh, making sure that that gets communicated in a timely manner. Uh, you know, some of those things uh, is, are, are definitely beneficial. Uh, and, and even like Derek mentioned, uh, you know, not wanting to silo yourself off. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of, you know, bleeds in well to, uh, you know, another aspect of like, you know, when you are the youth pastor of a church, you know, you are, you are in charge of the youth ministry, but you are also on staff as a whole. And so when the senior pastor had like, you're going to have all church events that happen. You're going to have other ministries that are happening at the church. Uh, you know, being a part of that team as a whole mm-hmm. and, and saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I can help out with this event. Uh, you know, I have some, uh, graphic skills and this other ministry needs a graphic made for their event so they can share it on social media. I'd be more than happy to help out with that. Uh, you know, you don't want, you, you got to set some boundaries mm-hmm. so that there's not, you know, an abuse of time or, or talents being, you know, take, you know, happening. But, but I think that, you know, being a part of the team, uh, as a whole, uh, is, is something that, you know, you, you want to be proud to be the youth pastor at Riverdale church, mm-hmm. not just proud, you know, not just proud to be the youth pastor, yeah. uh, you know, but, but you're excited about the church as a whole. Yeah. And I, I the, the biggest thing I've, I've noticed with this, and, uh, I'm just gonna give a shout out to my youth pastor, Riley, cause he's really good about this. Um, you know, there is, you're just, you're taking ownership of the whole picture. And, you know, so the thing of it is I've noticed is on Sunday morning, that time before and after service, I would say is almost as valuable as your time, like preaching, you Mm -hmm. know, because like the odds are in a church like mine, at least like the reason they're at a church like ours and not at some mega church, because they want to have a conversation and a relationship with their pastor, you know? And so there are a lot of times where it's like, you know, we have two services now. So that, that window between first and second, you have people who are, you know, saying goodbye and having closing conversations and new people coming in for the second service. And so I pretty much am parked in that lobby for that whole window, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there are times when it's like, Hey, that garbage got really full from first service. It's got to get taken out right now, you know, or it's like, 
hey, there's, I noticed like some of the chairs got jacked up from that service that need to be fixed for a second. Like you, it's, it's, I can't physically do that, you know? And so it's a matter of my staff and, and in this case, a youth pastor going, I just got to see the needs that are around, get the whole picture and just fill them mm-hmm. and just do them. Yeah. You know, like if you see something like it should never, ever be a, oh, I'm just the youth pastor. I don't have to do that. Like, that should never be a thought for you. You know, at least in the context of like, if you see a need, something that can be fixed really quick and immediately, don't just go, eh, I'm not going to fix that. To me, that's the same rationale of like, when you were a kid, like, hey, can you pick up that trash? No, that was that was his trash. What did mm-hmm. your parent always say to you? I don't care whose it was, yeah. pick it up and throw it away. Yep. That's kind of what I think about with this is like, and people can get abused this way and it's important to draw boundaries. But if there's something small, quick and easy that you see can be fixed and you're able to fix it, just fix it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Take ownership of the church because there are a lot of times that if your lead pastor is not doing it, it's not because he doesn't see it mm-hmm. or not because he's lazy. It's just because there are a lot of other things that they're in charge of and that they're doing, you know, um, which kind of plays into the next one that, this is probably, I would say, in a year and a half, two years, ever it is, of being a lead pastor, this is the biggest shift I have noticed in this role. Uh, and so the third thing that your lead pastor needs is encouragement. And here's what I mean by that. Um, my pastor prior to me, when I was when I was the youth pastor, he was so good about pouring into me and discipling mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. What you know? I here's what I see in you. I'm gonna I'm gonna bolster this. Here are some things I can see you can be stretched in in terms of not just a leader but just a, a follower of Jesus. And I'm gonna I'm gonna help you with that. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna pour into you. I'm gonna take you out weekly and just see how are you doing. How is your soul? How how is your marriage? Like how are you doing? Like like what what are you excited about in ministry? Just I every single week I had that conversation. I just felt so loved and supported and encouraged because my my lead pastor was pouring into me. But I realized rarely did I take that initiative mm-hmm. to do the same thing because it, it, it feels weird, right? Like it's, it's if you put it in a corporate context, it's not uncommon for the CEO to take out his his board and pour into them. It's weird if so and so says, "Hey, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. let me take you out to lunch and pour into you." Like that, it just feels like that upsets the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, you know, like lead pastorship and, and any form of leadership, I think even youth pastors can get into this as you're pouring into your youth leaders. Sometimes you get lonely at the top. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, you're pouring in, you're pouring in, you're pouring in, you're pouring in. And, and there's a part of you where it goes, who's pouring into me? Yeah. And that can get lonely, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I'm I'm not saying that you need to go to your, to your lead pastor and, and take him through a discipleship program. I'm not saying like, you need to go to him or her and say, here's what I want to do for you. But I just think, you know, jumping back to their office, you know, and just unplanned and just saying, you know, Hey, can, can I just check in on you? How are you doing? You know, like how are things going? I think would be so valuable. Well, and even, uh, like what we're not saying is that it's your job to, you know, be that, full-time encouragement and, you know, pouring into them. Like as, as a senior pastor, you know, you gotta, like, you have to recognize some of this and, and find 
like, hey, I'm going to be a part of a group of pastors in my area, or I'm going to find somebody that can mentor me, that can pour into me. Yep. Uh, you know, there's there is a there's a degree of that that is you know the responsibility of the senior pastor to figure Correct. out. However, I I like what Derek's saying that you know it's it's the same as as any team that you're a part of. Like, if you are a parent, can you imagine your kid coming up to you one day and being like, hey, like I know that it isn't always smooth sailing, but I really appreciate you as, as a parent, like you'd be floored. Yeah. Uh, and probably know, crying <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you think about like, if you're a teacher and one of your students just like, Hey, I really, I really like you as a teacher and, and thank you for doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means the world and it yeah. can come from, you know, beneath you in the organization. Yeah. Uh, you know, showing appreciation to the person that, that is, uh, overseeing you. So yeah, I like that. I love that because I, I, that's exactly my heart. Is I'm not saying you need to do it weekly. I'm not saying it needs to be this this huge thing. But I just think like, and again, my my staff has done this where they just randomly and it's it's not scripted. It's not you know uh, this big presentation. It's just a random. Hey, just thank you for what you're doing. Like it, it just it literally just like puts every ounce of wind right back in your sails to keep on going and, and doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. For those who are, because again, this this does apply though, not just to lead pastorship, but as depending what your team looks like that you oversee as youth leaders, it's the same thing, you know? And so it's vital for you as a youth pastor to take that compliment when it comes in, first of all, but secondly, just it's so vital for you to have your squad, you know, mm-hmm. and find people yeah. that are pouring into you. And, you know, there might be a, a time in which you as a youth pastor aren't getting poured into by your lead pastor, and that, frankly, that sucks. Like mm-hmm. that, that's really difficult. But don't let that be an excuse for you not to get poured into. Find somebody who will, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of do that. Because when you do that, number four, you grow. You know, like the number four is, what can you offer your lead pastor? It's a teachable spirit. Uh, here's the reality. Uh, and I got I got a healthy dose of humble pie when I when I went through this transition feel free to interject Kyle, but I feel like when you're a youth pastor, there are times you look at your lead pastor and go, what are they doing? <laughs> like I would, I would, I would do that way different. I could, I could do that way better, you know, and there, and frankly, you probably could depending on the situation. But the thing of it is, is I, re- I didn't realize there are just some very, very, very unique pressures, struggles, and just things that a lead pastor bears that nobody really knows. And, you know, like as such, they are, there might be times in which your lead pastor is trying to pour into you and, and encourage you and stretch you in certain things. And it's so important for you just to have that teachable spirit that says, okay, you know? Yeah. They are above you in the organization for a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would say that you agreed to work for them for a reason, you know, in a, in a healthy setting. Uh, and again, that's probably something we'll get into in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, and I don't want to say a couple of weeks, it'll probably be, you know, a few months before we do the, the whole transition series that we've kind of been teasing, but, uh, you know, in a, in a healthy setting, like they hired you because they think that you're good at your job Yeah, and you accepted that offer because you want to work for them mm-hmm. and, and you think that they are good at their job. Uh, and if you were 
you know, more qualified to do their job, then you would be doing it, but you're, you're not. And part of their role or, you know, in, you know, in some churches it's, it's different. Like it could be the most churches. I'd say the senior pastor is the one that is then pouring into the staff. You'll get some churches where uh, they have like a staff pastor yep. that, you know, their role is more, uh, you know, pouring into uh, the staff. It depends a lot on just where the strengths typically of the senior pastor lie. For sure. Um, but have, I mean, regardless, if you are on staff at a church and in a healthy setting, someone should be pouring into you and you have to be willing to be a part of that process. Yeah. Uh, you are not perfect. You have room to grow. We all do. And uh, one of the things that I tell our adult volunteers all the time is that I do not want the quality or the quantity of our adult volunteers to be the ceiling to what God can do in mm. our youth ministry. Mm. And, and the application here is that, you know, I like if you are the youth pastor at a church, uh, you are not at, odds are 99 million times out of 99 million and one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like you have not reached your full potential. Yeah. And so if you haven't reached your full potential, there's somebody else that is trying to get you there. You've got to be willing to take correction. You've got yep. to be willing to take direction from that person in order to grow so that your youth ministry can grow. Yeah. If you are not growing personally and professionally, then your youth ministry is going to have a ceiling on it that is lower than what you wish it was. That's so good. That's so good. And I think what's the most difficult to do that is when you lose the respect of your leader. You know, like I think being teachable is so difficult when it feels like I don't, I don't want to hear what you have to say, you know? And like, I'm not saying I had that experience, but I even saying you had that experience. I am just saying that like, it's your job as a leader to be teachable in all circumstances. The one thing that I will say on that is I, I've learned through multiple things the last few years, not just, you know, the professional situation. I've learned that there's a difference between honor and respect. Yep. And there is, you know, even like if you do not fully agree with, you know, there's, you see some issues with the person that you're working for. This is not just a youth ministry thing. This is, uh, you know, kid to parent. This is yeah. boss to employee. This is everything. If they are in a position of leadership and authority over you, you can choose to honor them, honor what they say, but that does not mean you have to respect them and respect what they are doing. And so, you know, like we'll, we'll pick a silly example. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are a sophomore in high school mm -hmm. and, uh, this is going to get real deep, real quick as, as I'm, I'm fleshing out the example in my head. And I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited for you to lay out the distinction between honor and respect. So I'm, I'm down for this. Yeah. So you know, you have, you have a high school student, sophomore, junior in high school, they got their license, uh, and, and parent, you know, you, you sit down with your parents and, and they say like, Hey, you're like, you know, you got a car now, you got some added responsibility. You have to be home by 11. All right, cool. 
Uh, and, and you do a pretty good job with that. You've got a job, you found a job purposefully that you get off at 10 and you know, all these things. And you know, you're out with friends sometime and, and you, you get home at 11, 10, mm-hmm. you know, you're 10 minutes late and, and your parents, you know, your dad will say your dad is like, like that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you are, you're grounded for a week. Yep. Can't drive. And when you do get your car back, uh, you know, your curfew is now 930. You know, you lost that hour and a half. You're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, dad goes out drinking almost every single night and and doesn't get home until two or three in the morning. And, like, he's, he's going to put a 930 curfew on me because mm. I was 10 minutes late at 11? Yeah. Like that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. and and like he like it's hypocritical. God calls us to honor our mother and father, mm. and at the end of the day, your parents asking you to have a nine thirty curfew is not causing you to sin against the Lord, <laughs> and so. Honoring, choosing to honor, you can choose to honor that new nine thirty curfew mm-hmm. and 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 honor that limit without having full respect for the hypocrisy that you sure. see in your father. Yeah, uh, you know. Hopefully that that kind of helped. Like, does that? Yeah. Do, yeah, do you get sure. like I pulled no. that example out of my butt? Yeah. But no. I, I think that that kind of lays out. Like, there's a difference between the two. Yeah. Uh, practically speaking, and and whether it's a father, you know, if it's a parent kid relationship, if it's a boss, uh, you know, employee relationship, mentor mentee relationship, uh, you know, some relationships are easier to get out of than others. Yeah. Uh, you're stuck with your family. And so, you know, like God has called me to honor my family. Like God has planted me here at this church mm-hmm. and I don't agree with what my senior pastor is telling me to do. Uh, and so I'm going to choose to honor it and I'm not going to go and talk bad about that senior pastor behind their back. I'm not yep. going to rile up the congregation to vote them out. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I have to just f- completely forgive and a hundred percent respect yeah. them and their decision either. Yeah. To summarize it, it feels like honors what you do or respects what you feel is really what that you kind of are breaking down. Yeah, like I, that's good. Like I'm, I'm choosing to honor them with my actions, even though inwardly mm-hmm. I disagree. Or honor them with your inaction. Yeah, you right. Know? Like uh, the your senior pastor makes a decision that uh, we are going to again. This is stupid, but we're going to cancel Christmas Eve. We're not going to, our staff was joking about this, uh, the last couple days. I don't, I don't know where it came from, but we're going to cancel Christmas Eve. We're not going to have Christmas Eve service. Like you might think that is the dumbest decision our senior pastor has ever made in their lives. And, uh, in that's a decision that invariably like the congregation's going to hear about it. They're going to know about it because you know, they're going to be told don't come to Christmas Eve service. We're not having one. Yep. And you're going to have congregation members that come to you and say like, Hey, like, why this is weird. Why are we doing this? At, at some point, I'm sure the senior pastor issued some sort of like, Hey staff, here's why we're making this decision. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there like, those are the stupidest reasons ever. Yep. You have a choice 
whether or not you are going to badmouth your senior pastor when that congregant comes to you and says, why are you doing this? Like, how come we're not having Christmas Eve service? And so, you know, showing honor to your senior pastor is, is for, I, I hope that you respect your senior pastor yeah. too. Like that's a, that's a big win. Yeah. Uh, but at the very least, you know, choosing with your actions or your inactions to honor the, the position of authority that God has placed over you. Uh, I think that that goes a really long way and, and God's going to honor that. I'm, I'm going to double down on this too. Cause I, this is this is all off the cuff. This is unscripted. So maybe we maybe That's we dialogue some of our back. Best stuff. It is. Here's what I would caution you with in is if you sense a continual pattern of disrespect for your lead pastor, one of two things has to happen. You either have to step down or hash it out with your lead pastor. Because I think at some point, if you lose all respect for that person it's almost impossible to follow them and honor them. You know, it's, it, it, it just is, you know, like I'm, I, I'm not saying that you, this is a drastic action that, you know, if you don't respect your, your lead pastor, that this is a sign that you need to step down right now. But I do think that at some point it gets really, really, really hard to honor them when you vigorously like don't respect yeah. what, what, what call mm-hmm. they're having, you know? And like at some point that bitterness and that frustration, one is going to bubble over, but if nothing else, it's going to wreck your soul because you're going to naturally just become cynical and closed off and uncompassionate. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking up right now uh, so that I have the correct information in front of me. So, uh, because this is, I mean, this kind of hits, you know, close to home for me with, with everything that we've kind of walked through in the last few, uh, last few months. Um, I, I sent a text, uh, on May 26th to a mentor of mine asking if we could meet, uh, and he, you know, he was out of town. Uh, and so he, was like, hey, I'm I'm out of town, but I get back on June 11th, or, or like, let's maybe let like, if you want to reach mm-hmm. back out that week, let's connect and and we'll find a time to to get together. Uh, June 12th was the day that I found out that our senior pastor was going to be leaving, and so uh, I never ended up actually connecting with with this guy, but. Uh, the question I was essentially going to ask him, uh, when we got together, like, how do, how do I leave? Uh, you know, how, how I, I think I need to, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't actually think I've, (laughs) I think there's maybe like three or four people I've told that to. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I get a hundred percent what you're saying. Like you, you come to a point where you like, and, and, the conversation with the senior pastor should happen first, right? Oh, Th- yeah. Those two, li- those two examples you gave, either you need to hash it out or you need to leave. Uh, you know, hashing it out obviously needs to happen first. Yep. Um, but you need to recognize, uh, you know, is there a moment like, like, is there a line somewhere where if I get to this point, 
Uh, I need to leave if we get to this date and nothing has changed. I need to leave if I have this conversation and nothing changes. Do I need to leave? It's going to look different for every single circumstance. Yep. But at some point, uh, you know, if the status quo stays the status quo or if things continue to get worse, uh, then, you know, you need to look. And it could be something as simple as, like, hey, the longer I work here, the more that I'm just realizing, like, my heart and my vision just doesn't line up. That's okay. With the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's okay. And and if you have a good senior pastor, they're going to probably recognize that as well and completely bless you to to move on to a new opportunity. Yeah. And and they'll probably give you a great recommendation. Like, they, their heart for what they're doing, their heart for youth is is top notch. They they love what they do and, and students love them. Like, the two of us just didn't mesh as far yeah. as our vision yep. and, and, and some things. And, you know, there's a lot of way, there's a lot of right ways to do ministry. And so it's not that like, if you disagree with your senior pastor, that means one of you is just dead wrong sometimes, but a lot of times it's like, yeah, there's two good ways to do this and you guys disagree. And if it's a big enough issue where, you know, one of you needs to move on, that's, that's yeah. okay. And, and you have, I think that sometimes people don't give themselves permission to to move on from ministry positions, especially uh, when it's going well. Especially when you know it's going well, or or you're managing it enough mm-hmm. that it's going well. Uh, but God might have something better. Yeah, and that the big rationale I have with that concept is, I love like you know the word says like what benefit is it if you gain the whole world but lose your soul. Mm-hmm. And the context of that is okay, cool. You you have you have four Ferraris, a mansion, and everything else, but your soul's corrupt. Yeah, you're defrauding your employees, but you're super rich. Yeah, so. and it, that, that's where you go. <laughs> but I also think that it's not out of the question to be serving the Lord, working in His sure. church, and losing your soul. You know, I think that if you have this harboring bitterness and cynicism towards the person above you at some point that's going to trickle into your, you have cynicism for your spouse. You have cynicism towards your leaders who are not up to snuff, you know, like it's going to boil over Mm. and it's going to wreck your soul. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem Yeah, because first and foremost, you are a child of God, Mm -hmm. not a pastor. And so like you have to, I love that word you said, it's one thing to manage it, but at some point, not dealing with it is just mismanagement. Yeah. Like not getting to the bottom of it. If that, even if that bottom means we're just different and this is never going to work, that's probably the best long term thing for both of you and the ministry. If that's if that's what the bottom of it is, so mm-hmm. it's. I think to me, it's such a case-by-case basis. You can't lay out a universal, here's what you do. But if you find yourself in that spot, I think it's vital that you talk to a mentor of yours and help them process it out and let that person know exactly what's going on. Because on one hand, you don't want to be too hasty. But on the other hand, the longer you wait, the worse it gets. Yeah. And this is why having your relationships, especially mentor relationships outside of the context of your church is so important. So that you can act like you need friends and counsel that is not at your church that you can talk to about some of the things going on yeah. at your church. 
uh, you know, it's like, I think a lot of Christians are so afraid of gossip that they just don't talk to each other when healthy conversation, uh, like I can share with you what is going on and the problem that's happening in a non gossiping way when we are working toward growth and, and toward a solution to a problem through this conversation. Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of people sometimes lose sight of. Yep. Uh, and so I, I definitely encourage, uh, if you do not have, uh, if you do not have a friend and separately, you do not have a, a mentor or someone that can counsel you, uh, that is outside of your church context. Uh, that's something that you should look toward pursuing, uh, and, uh, do it sooner than later because yeah. it, it is very beneficial and life giving. I think it's required. <laughs> yeah. It's beneficial, but I think you will die. Like not mm. literally, but you will spiritually die if you don't, because mm. it is, it is just, it's tough, you know? So that kind of brings me to my last thing. That was, that was good. Um, that does kind of transition well it, into it, the last It really one. does. You, you know, know, like taking initiative to find some of those things. Yeah. Like it, the last one I had here, things that your senior pastor needs, he needs you to be disciplined and motivated. You know, like it's, it's one of those things. I'm just going to let you know, um, if you were to be on my staff and I had to continually daily or weekly motivate you to do your work, you won't last on my staff Mm -hmm. because I, as a lead pastor, it's my job to cast the vision and in, in, in to and to do that. But at the same time, like you can't motivate somebody that's unmotivated. You just can't. Like you have to. You can you can give the most inspiring talk in the world, but if someone's not naturally motivated, that that motivation is going to wear off instantly. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, notice though, I said disciplined and motivated because being disciplined lasts far longer than motivation. You know, there are days you're not motivated to read your word, but if you're disciplined, you will. There are days you're not motivated to come to work and put your nose down and keep on grinding, but if you're disciplined, you will. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. discipline lasts way longer than motivation ever will. And so it's so vital for you as a pastor to one, find motivation, pray, seek, read, talk to mentors, listen to podcasts, like, I'm not saying you shouldn't find motivation because you should, but you also need to make sure you're being disciplined because if you're just looking to ride the waves of motivation, you are going to fail. Yep, absolutely. And so I just, the thing that I have loved uh, just about seeing this whole thing play out is when you see your youth pastor taking off with the vision that God's given them within the context of your church and execute it and pull it off it's one of the coolest, most amazing things that you get to see as a leader and you get to double down and empower them to keep chasing that, you know? And so mm-hmm. don't look for your senior pastor to motivate you, like motivate, find motivation somewhere else. And then you'll find that in a roundabout way, I think they're going to come back around and motivate you even more. Yeah, I that's that's good. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. Like we... There, even even just from like a time management standpoint, like can you imagine how much your senior pastor could get done in a week if they didn't have to babysit you? Right. For lack of a better phrase, yeah. like you know, you are you are hindering 
more than just your own ministry yeah. when when you can't do that. Yeah. Gosh darn it. What? Get your crap together and find something to do, employee who's unmotivated. When you said when you just said gosh dang it, I thought you were like you realized that we were never recording this entire oh, time. Oh, that would have been really unfortunate. It's happened. <laughs> it- that, not since the early no, days of the podcast. No, I, th- I think I think our second episode ever, we recorded the whole thing. And and, but realized- we only recorded one of the microphones. Yeah. Now, full disclosure, we actually did the same thing with this episode, but we only got like seven seconds in. Yeah. Before we realized that like my mic was recording, but yours wasn't. Which would have been okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, it would have been a really one-sided conversation. Uh, so that that uh, that feels like a good place to end it. So uh, thank you guys for checking out the podcast. Uh, if you guys ever have an, an idea for an episode, reach out to us. Uh, our emails uh, how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, or you can reach out on Instagram how not underscore yp. We've got our top of the line. Uh, a team on social media throwing out videos every week. Uh, so we appreciate all of the hard work that they do. Um, I say they like there's more than one. It's just one dude uh, throwing stuff who's, out there. Who's, who's putting output out for like two or three people. So That's true. Uh, he's he's top notch at what he does. So uh, we appreciate them. And we appreciate you guys for uh, supporting the podcast uh, every way except financially. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, maybe we have not because we ask not. We should put a Patreon together and just throw Donations can be sent to 6443 Norris Lake Road, now then, Minnesota. Is that your church's yeah. address? <laughs> um, I have no complaints. Uh, with that, uh, Derek, I think it's about time that uh, we go put together the gauntlet for our youth students. Goodbye. Goodbye.